Yeah, Father, thank you for Di. Thank you for um, the way she carries you and the way she shares that with us. Just ask Holy Spirit now that you would come and rest on Di. Come and give us soft hearts as we hear what she brings from you and open ears. Yeah, thank you, Father. We bless Di in your name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. What a great morning so far. So good to have you all with us, all of you that are um, visiting. So great to be able to warmly welcome you and all that are here with your coffees. I think we had some excitement. (laughs) Tea and coffee. Would you like to do a really big clap and thank the team that did that for you to surprise you? Yeah, well done. We love surprises, and I can tell by your faces that was a good surprise. So we're really, really grateful that that we're able to do that. We're hoping that that's going to become a regular part of what's going on. But it does need some of you to help us with that. So if you'd like to be a part of that team, we'd love you to join in. Um, You won't need to know this, but did you know... uh, Sorry, you won't need to be told that there's been studies about this, because I'm sure you already know this is a fact. Good news does not spread as fast as bad news. Studies show that, but we know that. We live that as well, don't we? We recognise that false news and fake news also seems to go really fast into our lives and our homes and our minds and our hearts, whereas truth is often something that's a little bit harder to find. And, and with all that Joe was just praying and all that's going on around us, today I just want to acknowledge that we are very much looking to the source, which is our Father that is over all of Australia for this week. And we're looking also that there's going to be good news as part of this week as well. And let's be praying with the good news that's coming for our nation and for all the people in it. Now, they're a culture, the indigenous people of these lands are a culture that are very much storytelling. And we're going to today go into the big biblical story by going to Mark 1. And in, the, in Mark 1, you're going to see that Mark is recording an account for us that had been a culture of storytelling where people would tell and retell the stories of um, the big story of God. And they would be expected over this time as they would be the people, the ancient people hearing this this message, they would be telling and retelling for as long as they lived this big story of God. And so here we've got this new kind of literature, this new kind of thing. It's an account, a written account that we now hold in our hands all these years later. Eyewitness account of what was happening when Jesus was walking this earth. And so this accurate record in Mark 1, aren't we so grateful that we get to read that and that it's not just passed on by telling and retelling, that we actually have it in our hands and in our hearts. So he starts, interestingly, in Mark 1, this gospel starts with John the Baptist in the wilderness. You know, John the Baptist that ate all the locusts? And he was there looking and saying to the crowds, there's one that's coming that's going to be baptizing in a spirit way. 
not just in repentance, but in a spirit way. And so along comes Jesus, and he submits to baptism from John. And not only did he do that, but he also had the Father's blessing of identity over him. The Father spoke over him. As he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that was when he was anointed for ministry, the first moment where he was coming out of this water. And where did he be led to? The Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness. And so Mark's telling us all these details in chapter 1 that Jesus is beginning and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is upon him. Doesn't that bring confidence to us that we join in Jesus' ministry and we have the Holy Spirit coming upon us to empower us, seal of the Father's work in our lives, but we also have the identity that the Father gives us because we are now part of Jesus Jesus' kingdom, walking with him. Take great confidence in that. That's how we walk right now. That's who we are. And also, then Mark records that the Holy Spirit drives him out into the wilderness and there's a massive spiritual battle that goes on. And Mark writes that Jesus is led into the wilderness and this battle is happening between Jesus and the chief power of darkness, the Satan. And so in this moment, Mark's saying this is really important for us to know before the story that we get to in verse 21. And in verse 21, we see Jesus coming out of the wilderness He had been ministered to by angels. And in verse 21, we're going to have a public reading of Scripture today. Today, we're going to actually hear it in a way that's going to be a little bit different than us just reading it on the screen. It's not going to be on the screen, but if you want to follow on your devices, you are welcome. We're going to invite Tom to come and read publicly. Oh, he's he's going to do it from there. Would you like to stand, Tom? Got my mic. There we go. (laughs) Let us hear the word of God, Mark 1. They went to Capernaum. At once on the Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue and taught. They were astonished at his teaching. He wasn't like the legal teachers. He said things on his own authority. All at once in their synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit. What business have you got with us, Jesus of Nazareth, he yelled. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're God's holy one. Be quiet, ordered Jesus, and come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed the man, gave a great shout, and came out of him. Everyone was astonished. What's this? They started to say to each other, new teaching with real authority. He even tells the unclean spirits what to do, and they do it. Word about Jesus spread at once all over the surrounding district of Galilee. Word spread. Mm. 
word spread about what had just happened. They were in a synagogue, very similar to like what's happening with us, gathered, hearing teaching, and they were astonished at Jesus' teaching. But this is recorded and a written account reminding us that while in church, while gathering, things can happen. Things that are a little bit different than what we might. And if we are aware that we're in a spiritual battle, we also are aware that spiritual things can happen while we are gathering. And so Mark's telling us here that Jesus was well known to the synagogue people. Everyone knew who he was. He was well known, but he was teaching differently after his baptism. And he was also teaching differently, so much so that there was something happening in someone else that they knew really well. Something happened that caused a person to yell out and then to be told, be quiet. And a spirit is actually released from that person and they are free and they are quiet and everything is quiet in their lives again because of the authority of Jesus. So just imagine, here we are, church on Sunday, doing things that are welcoming the presence of Jesus. And things are happening often inside us that we're not even aware of. I wonder if that guy was aware of what was happening inside of him when all of a sudden this, these words came and erupted out. And all of a sudden he was being quietened with the authority of Jesus, and then he was at peace. So we know from the Old Testament that there were, there was indications of evil spirits around, and we know that there were indications that there were harassing, afflicting spirits. And can you remember the time when Elisha in the Old Testament was really calm amidst a battle, and his servant wasn't? His servant was really, really anxious. And Elisha said, hey, Open his eyes, Lord, and he was able to see that there were way more chariots and fighting angels with them than the opposing army. And he was able to see that's, that's something that's accompanying them. Elisha wasn't at all concerned because he could see spiritual dynamics that were happening. And there was another moment, you'll remember, where Saul was really disturbed and harassed. And so he called for a musician. And so David came and played, perhaps a lyre, like a guitar. And when he played, that spirit was soothed. And so there's those kind of moments in the Old Testament. But this, in Mark 1, is different. Something's different happening here with Jesus. And Jesus is setting up a clash of kingdoms. He's setting up the moment that he's going to be walking in and actually accomplishing the father's full intention of the stronger man has arrived and there's nothing that can stand in the stronger man's way and we see in mark 3 if you read that later that helps us understand what's actually going on jesus is arriving but for this spirit that was in this man he was saying you're here now you're here too soon the cross hasn't yet come. And he was also aware this is the king. And he was also aware that he had no right to be there because Jesus was saying, be quiet. So in Mark 1, here we have someone that's speaking, someone that's unaware of what's happening to them until Jesus is in close proximity. And what's going on is that this person was influenced by a demon. 
influenced by a spirit that was harassing and also that recognised Jesus. Perhaps it was a generational spirit. We don't know. We haven't been told much. Mark hasn't given us that information. But how come this demon starts to cry out and to threaten Jesus in the middle of the synagogue? It's the clash of kingdoms, again, setting up this play, where this dynamic where Jesus is present and he freaks out and makes a huge strategic error. He reveals himself that then the promised one saw him and said, be quiet, come out. So I wonder if you've ever had an experience where you're feeling a bit uneasy. You're feeling like, oh, I just don't feel myself. Have, is the first thing that you think of a spiritual issue? Is the first thing that you think of, oh, I better go to the doctor and see what's going on. In the Western mindset that we have, we struggle with that, don't we? we? We put a priority on not so much spiritual issues. We often think of, oh, I'm going to go and get some help with that. And I guess you've seen as a part of our journey in this church, we're really wanting to bring those into equal places where we do get medical help, we do get help for anything that's troubling us, but we also go, is there anything else going on here? Maybe there's something that Jesus can also help us with. In Mark 1, from that moment, Jesus goes home to find that Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Immediately, he says, fever be gone. And the fever is removed from this lady's life. She gets up, cooks them a meal, and they all eat together. And look what happens in verse 32. <clears throat> All of the people from the town are bringing who? The sick and those who are oppressed. Not just the sick, not just the oppressed. All of the town came out because they knew Jesus was here with a mission to free people from troubles, whatever that looks like. The sick and the oppressed by demons were all there. Those that were intruding spirits, those who were harassing spirits, those who were afflicting spirits, being close to Jesus, they had no power. The people were becoming free. So with our worldview, we totally understand there is a thing that's called mental illness, and that's such a painful, painful, painful experience that we walk alongside when we're needing to see health come for people. And so we walk alongside that, and we, we are so grateful for all the specialists that help us towards wholeness and have a diagnosis that helps us with that. And we also say, Jesus, is there anything you want to say about that as well? And so we have just so many more resources available to us, don't we? Not only is Jesus here with his power and his love, but we also have amazingly trained specialists that are helping us when things are troubling us, when people in our lives are experiencing trouble. So in Mark 1, he's telling us, I'm recording this because it's important, and he's saying there's only one dimension of healing called deliverance. There's a whole tangle that happens with our beautiful souls when we are walking this world, right? It's not just a one-size-fits-all. And often I think that our human life gets all tangled up and the Lord just wants to start to heal us by pulling out those threads. And I've been talking about how the last number of weeks we've seen, it's almost like weeds have been pulled out of our lives. 
to help us live more freely. Today, I want to use the name image. It's a little bit different to that. I want you to imagine cooked spaghetti plopped on the floor. And often, our lives are so entangled that we don't really know if we pull one of those threads out, is it all going to come out? And that's a little bit like the healing process sometimes for us, or even the deliverance process. There are things that just get all tangled up with us. And that to have freedom, we just have to say, Holy Spirit, what is the first thing that you want to deal with that's going to help me feel untangled and free? So today we're going to be having a look at that. What's tangled up within us? What is something that needs to be free? And maybe we're sitting there not even aware that there's a disturbance in us because we've lived with it for so long, like this person in Mark 1. Um, a number of years ago, I was at a gathering similar to this, and we had just worshipped similar to this, and we were sitting, and I was sitting maybe second row here, and it was in a moment where they just finished the worship of singing, and we were moving into a place where we were going to have someone talk, <laughs> like what I'm doing now. And as we were sitting there, the person I was sitting next to, my friend, just started to look really agitated and disturbed and restless almost like she needed to go to the toilet or something, like just feeling disturbed. And I was just sitting there, and as I was sitting there noticing that, a word came into my mind that wasn't there before, and the word was abandonment. Interesting, I wasn't thinking about that, but that was the word that came in, and I then understood that's a word of knowledge. Something was happening for her around this word abandonment. I didn't know that part of her story, and so, as she's sitting there restless, the person up the front said, is there anyone in this room right now that's feeling nauseous or restless or just frustrated, a bit of angst? Stand up right now. My friend stood up. I've got the word abandonment in my mind. And so, we've learnt the first thing we do is say, hey, what's happening? Some environments would go... Cast you out in Jesus' name. That wasn't happening. We do this. We say, hey, what's happening? Because there's a tangle. We don't know always what's happening. We have to ask the Holy Spirit and the person. And so she started to speak. And as she started to speak, she said, I just want to leave this room. I want to run. I do not feel comfortable. She was ready to run out of the room. She was ready to not see whatever that was disturbing her. She just didn't know what to do with that. And so we just said, peace to you, in Jesus' name. And we started asking her some more questions. And she fell back and she started shaking like this story. And then she started crawling like she was wanting to leave. And then she said she felt something come out of her tummy, right through her mouth. We didn't see it. She felt it. And she was free. <laughs> she was peaceful. It was remarkable. It reminded me of this story. Jesus just came and said, peace, be still. I'm going to take that root right out of your life. Abandonment was part of her story. She knew that. I didn't. And so I asked her, does the word abandonment mean anything? And as she described it, her whole family, three generations, had that thread going right through, including foster care, orphanages, all sorts of things. 
So she went home saying, I've just had this amazing thing happen. She told her family. She rang her, her brother in Perth. She rang another brother in, in Sydney. And she was spreading the news, the good news. And all of them tasted some of that freedom that she experienced. Why am I telling this story? Because we are a movement, we're a church, we're a people that believe that Jesus comes and turns up during worship, comes and turns up as we are walking into our daily lives, and the presence of God is attracted to those of us that know we have activated authority. Like Jesus had activated authority, he was baptized, he went through the wilderness, he was through that battle, he was free then to bring the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is near. And like that, we are in a place that we're just wanting to see that as our normal lives. And we're talking about that today because Jesus appoints times when that freedom is going to be your time. And you realize, oh, he just removed something from my life that I didn't even know was with me until the moment that he appointed to say, huh, does this mean anything to you? I want to free you. And so today we're just acknowledging that Mark's telling us that these things are the spiritual dimension that accompanies our tangled lives and that we can move towards freedom. And all it means is that we need to activate our authority in Jesus, be ready for the Holy Spirit to be speaking to us, be ready to courageously step into what he's saying, but also that the Father then restores identity, just like he did with Jesus when he was baptised, that you will know your purpose, you'll know why you're here, and you'll know that you get to spread the good news through your freedom. Because of our worldview problem, we often have these little scripts, narratives, that we play over in our head that kind of can disqualify us from stepping into those situations. And I, I just am so aware that Jesus, when he's walking into a crowd, he was listening to the Father, seeing what the Father was doing, and then responding with the Holy Spirit upon him and through him. And we've been learning 100% God was who he was and 100% man. And the same for us, 100% God is in us, accompanying us, and 100% who you are comes to that as well. And we just see the kingdom moving forward, untangling knots in our lives, but also in the lives of those around us. So we're not looking for demons, we are looking for the source of trouble. Is there trouble, something that just won't move and shift? There's something that's going on that is causing trouble. So what's it got to do with you? You may be sitting here going, I'm fine, I'm good. Yay, we love you and we love that. But you may also be aware of many people in your life that are troubled that actually needs someone like you in proximity. Life's hard. Maybe you're walking alongside them. Take time. Ask the Holy Spirit what's going on. Pray for them and tell them you're praying for them. And invite them, if you have relationship with them, invite them, would you like me to pray with you one-on-one? -on -one? 
and see what's tangling within you and what can become. Because as you do that, it gives evidence that God loves them. And it also gives evidence that there is a God that's alive and active and with us and who is more powerful than any dark stuff that they're experiencing. So that is what we're on about. And we're about to look at a video I hope is going to work beautifully. It's been a nice, smooth morning. And this is a testimony of something that happened a week, two weeks ago in the conference setting. And it's by um, the founder of this church, Kathy Downs. So Peter and Kathy were here, planted this church, and they've planted three or four others since then. And Kathy had an experience where she had a script that was going on in her mind, and the script was, I'm done. I'm done. And she's going to tell you what happened as she realised that was a script she had put up on her life, not one that the father had. So I want you to listen like a good culture of hearers, <laughs> and we're going to hear her story. I want you to listen to all the layers, and I want you to see what God did as she heard and received the truth. And you're going to find out that she, for the first time in her adult life, had kind of lost her purpose. Let's have a listen. <laughs> Um, I wanted to settle in tonight by asking um, Kathy if she would be willing to share her story real quick. Kathy Downs, come on up. I know many of you know who Kathy Downs is. If you do not, then you're about to hear a little bit about who she is. And Kathy was with us in Victoria last week, and there were some really cool things that happened. And so would you just share those with us real quick, Kathy? Yeah, it'd be an honor to, and some of you have heard the story because I keep talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) As you should. Uh, Yeah, but uh, the last uh, seven days have been uh, very, very significant for me, like they have for a lot of people. Started off with some lovely prayer from Emily on the the first night of the conference because I just felt so uh, depleted and dry. And... um, and then it kind of just snowballed from there. The, the background is that, um, uh, well, well, Pete and I started our pastoral ministry journey in 1981. Do you remember 1981, buddy? <laughs> I came around a couple of years after that. <laughs> so it's been a long time. Um, and it's been like wonderful cycles of blessing and mm. challenge and blessing and struggle and we planted churches and we were, had the privilege of being national direct for, directors for 13 years and um, that, was, that was an amazing time but um, like others I think I carry some war wounds from those years and by the time I got to 2019 we handed our church over to Sam and Ruth Buscombe and, um, you know, that was a good round 40 years, you know, mm. like, and, and so we both kind of said, yeah, we're done. And I said to Pete, yeah, we're done, aren't we? We're done. <laughs> and he agreed, yeah, we're done. And, um, but I was really done. Like, I was done, I think, in every way. Like, every bucket was empty. You know, my, my people bucket was empty. My ministry bucket was empty. My church bucket was empty, um, and I, for the first time in my adult life, I, I really didn't have any sense of calling. 
And uh, I thought, okay, well, it's the age I am. You know, I'm going to be a nana. I'll be a nana and I'll garden. <laughs> and then we lived in, we moved out to a beautiful country block and after a year of uh, letting nature and the Lord um, refresh us, Pete started to get twitchy. I suppose there's no surprise there, but he wanted to re-engage with pastoral <laughs> ministry again. And I just kept saying, no, well, you go ahead, honey, but I'm done. And I, I've, I just kept saying it, like even flippantly to people, oh, yeah, Pete's not done, but I'm done. And um, I didn't realise how much I was saying it. Um, anyway, Sunday morning, we, um, we picked up Phil uh, from New Jersey we took him over to Westgate Vineyard Church, um, our daughter Julia and her husband Aaron, pastor there, and we joined them for Sunday morning. I didn't know that Phil was going to preach about uh, the barren places <laughs> blooming again. Um, and in worship, I just kind of felt the Holy Spirit convict me uh, and say, you know, you're, you're saying you're done and you're not done. I don't want you to be done. And um, so I, yeah, I just, it just like, I saw what it was that I was saying over myself. And I just repented and told the Lord I was really sorry and, and that if he didn't want me to be done, I wouldn't be done. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really simple like that. And we had a lovely message and we had some prayer and we're packing up church um, and we're putting away the chairs and a woman who I've known for years, who, has, who herself has been in ministry for decades, um, just said, oh, look, would you pray for me before we go? And I, I knew she'd had cancer, but I didn't realise how serious it was. And, and, you know, she nearly lost her life. And she was telling me some of the effects of the treatment that she was still carrying in her body. Um, her vocal cords had, had been damaged. She had lymphedema. She had gone blind in one eye and the other eye had limited vision um, and she'd been a very prophetic woman and I'd, over the years I'd just seen her minister in power and, and she, she just said she felt so exhausted from the struggle. Um, so I said, yeah, sure, and another woman and I prayed for her and like my, my run rate uh, with physical healing is pretty low. <laughs> and if someone needs physical healing, I usually look for Pete, you know. And he, if, he, if someone wants emotional healing, like, he'll look for me. But anyway, we've decided we'll stop doing that. Um, yeah, so we lay hands on her and, and I, just, I just felt to, to pray for the, the restoration of her prophetic gift and the restoration of her voice, because she was quite a teacher as well. And... Um, she was beautifully easy to pray with. She just agreed with everything. Um, and the, the Holy Spirit started to hit her really obviously and we prayed and prayed and she kept her eyes closed and um, after a little while we stopped and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, okay, all right. You know, nothing will have changed. So she opens her eyes and she goes, I can see you! <laughs> And um, I can see your face. You're blurry, but I can see your face with her blind eye. Um, and so we pray again. And um, she does it again. Yeah, I can see. I can see your features on your face. Um, she said, but 
there's a bit of you missing, you know, so her kind of peripheral vision. So Pete comes over at this stage and we pray again. And um, Pete asks her to open her eyes and, and we, we can see her eyes have changed, you know, like she's surprised, so they're big. But, um, but they looked open, didn't they? It was amazing. Yeah, and, and so she's, she's very excited, saying, I can see, I can see you all, I can see all of you now. And um, her glasses, she put her glasses on the table, um, and so she sees them there, and she puts them on, and then she really screams. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can really see you now. So, um, yeah, her, her vision got restored. Um, it was, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Jesus. And... Um, yeah, and I got restored. <laughs> Come on. Amen. Thank you, Kathy. Her vision got restored, and Kathy says, and I got restored. This is the way it works, that as we lay down things that we, might be holding us back, I'm done was not the way that God saw her, and she was on fire. From that moment on, from that Sunday, she was just a totally animated, different person, and it was just such a reminder to me that there are so many times that we're stuck with something that we've agreed to in our mind, and then the Lord just says, it's not how I see it, and he changes that, and we say, sorry, Lord, that's not how you see me, and then... Everyone that's watching gets to hear the good news that not only is she restored, she's now praying in an area that she didn't feel comfortable. She didn't feel she had many good runs on that, but she did have the compassion of God to pray for her friend and brought restoration of sight. Today, there's just an appointed time for some of us that he's just going to say, you know what? That word that you say over you, that script that you say over you, whether it's I'm done or whether it's something else, it's time to just let that come with me. Would you give it back to me? Can I give you my words and speak over you? And he's then wanting to spread good news through you as you find freedom in that, as you exchange any lies that you're holding about yourself. They don't have to go forward with you. And so you might even now internally have something that's going through your mind. Or you might just be sitting there going, no, I'm good. Whatever place you're in, I just want you to just tune in. I heard the word abandonment about someone that the Lord was about to respond to. It could be that you're hearing a word for someone else in the room and that's why it feels strange. Or it could be that you're hearing a script that he wants to break. These personal narratives that we have, if we speak them out like Kathy did, there's an agreement that happens. And we don't only carry those words, I'm done, but she was saying it to everyone. Was that good news or bad news? I'm done, I'm dumb, I'm done, I'm dumb, I'm done. <laughs> that was news that she was spreading that wasn't the truth. She didn't know that at that time. There's no shame on that till God spoke again. I said, you are being part of that is more than that testimony did for her. So is there anything that you need to let go? Is there anything in you that right now just feels like, oh, I'm just so done or I'm so tired, I'm so over? Time for someone else to step into all that stuff. I don't want to be praying for people. Maybe it's some of that's your narrative. Today the Lord's going to say, nah, I've got a different opinion. 
And maybe you can just relax all about. And if there's anything that, like Kathy, reminds you that that's not how he sees you, that you need to say about to him, this is a time to do that today. Where you can just announce, say sorry, confess that's not what you want to walk away with today. You want to walk away with his opinion about you. And he's got an amazing love for you. And then if we take it wider, she was talking about um, ministry. That world had also changed. And I don't know, if you've been around church, well, a lot of things said about church. <laughs> and often there are wounds that happen to us in church world. And so some of us might be carrying some of that, which is just a thread the Lord wants to pull that out today. And it might come with phrases like, oh, no one here cares about me. No one would notice if I was not here. It might be just even, oh, the church is dying. Everyone's leaving the church. It might be that there's a phrase that you have agreed with that's actually not the way that God sees it. And he wants now to just check in with you and say, can I talk to you about that? Can I just remind you the way that I see my church? It's his church. We're humans with all our tangled mess, but it's his church. And he loves his church. And he loves that you're here. He loves that you're part of his body. And he'll have other things to say as well. So today, we're just taking a, a rain check, saying, Lord, is there anything like Kathy, that you want to speak to me about? Any phrases that I've locked in that are not actually true about me in this season? Is there anything that you want to say to us as a church that we've agreed with that we don't need to move forward with? Is there anything about our families that we just want to say, you know what? There's another perspective that he wants to say to you today. And the way we're going to do that today is we're just simply going to open up a time of ministry and we're going to see what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do. It's going to be different for each of us. And for some of you, you will be activating your authority and coming and praying with us for others. And for some of us, it's going to be receiving and saying, you know what? I'd just like to pray through this. And we do that in a very respectful, confidential way of saying, tell us what's happening. Let's pray through that and let's see that you can walk through this door free today. So we're going to do that with a team that's going to come up the front and there's just, if you're sitting there still going, oh, what words would I use? So as the team comes up, Psalm 107 might be where you want to start and it might be, Lord, help, <laughs> start there, help, I don't know what to do, something's disturbing me, I'm in trouble and the Psalm 107 says, they cried out in their trouble and he saved them in their distress so put those words to your prayer. Lord, help. And it might be then that he will send his word. Psalm 107 says he will send his word and he will heal them. He will heal you. And he's going to snatch them from the door of the enemy. So today, put those words on your lips if you're not sure where to start. <laughs> 